0: Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Excited as I often am to be with my guest today, Mr. Ian Burns. Ian's the CEO of Alberta Central, an association based in Alberta that focuses on the support and the back end infrastructure of our credit unions, which are there are 16 in Alberta with over 650,000 Albertans as customers. Ian walks us through the difference between a traditional banking environment and the value proposition, really allows the credit unions to stand out. He gives us our, our perspective of the evolution of the fintech sector and how that's going to impact, talks about the vision and the road ahead for Alberta. Central and how everything they're doing is to optimize and streamline the customer experience. Join me for a good old-fashioned chat with Mr. Ian Burns. So let's start with Alberta Central. It's behind you. I know the guests can't see it right now, but I see it in the background. I I see a logo on the left side that I'm personally partial to, but tell us what Alberta Central is all about, and then we'll get into your story a little bit.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Tyler. So um, Alberta Central is an Alberta-based company. We're 50-plus years old. And um, our role is we're we're basically the central bank and uh, and and trade association for credit unions in the province. So we um, so if you think of uh, the Bank of Canada, we're like a mini version of that for credit unions in the province. So our job is to is to manage statutory liquidity for credit unions and make sure um, that uh, we're able to respond and and uh, keep the system running well. So we do that. We also advocate to. Uh, for credit unions around the needs of business and we provide a variety of products and services uh, to credit unions so so sort of general financial uh, things so we've got our you know our trade desk uh, you know derivatives we do uh, 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 commercial lending syndications with credit unions so uh, a variety of different financial services businesses but our goal is to is to help is to help credit unions uh succeed in the province so that's really that's really the key focus
0: okay that's I like the mini, the mini Bank of Canada for the credit unions. That was that's a great soundbite. She's like, "Oh, okay, I I I get it." So, just from a context perspective, and I'm going to plead ignorance, but also want to never take anything for granted. How many credit unions are there in Alberta? Like, how how big of an industry is that in Alberta?
1: Yeah, so in the province, 16 credit unions today, and they range from you know pretty sizable. So our our, our largest one, they go you know, pushing 17 billion in assets, and then a smaller one which would be in the you know the tens of millions worth of assets. So 16 different credit union banners, and uh, so we, we act as this uh, central function for, for all of them. Uh, they're all regulated entities, so one of the cool things about credit unions is uh, they have a deposit guarantee like the banks, but it's, it's actually unlimited. So uh, you know, there's a, a limit to what the banks um, can guarantee, and, and through the, the Credit Union Deposit Guarantee Corporation, there, there are no limits uh, to the guarantee that's there for, for credit union members in the province.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. So from a, from a security and just safety perspective, it's actually a bit of a, it's, it's a bit more robust from that perspective.
1: Yes. I didn't know that. That,
0: That's interesting. And these entities, obviously they roll, roll up, do they operate and getting into the weeds here? And if I go too far down the rabbit hole, you can let me know, do they operate as their own independent entities? Obviously they're heavily regulated, but when it comes to how they show up in the marketplace, the services they offer, is that done as a group approach or are these more individually operated entities?
1: So the large, the, it's so. The short answer is, it's individually operated entities. So, so they own us. They own Alberta Central, and uh, okay. their assets are, are you know, they're required to put assets with us. It's uh, by legislation, but they are effectively uh, uh, our owners, and they have uh, you know, independent brands. Some of them market separately. Some of them work together. But if you look at sort of the core uh, being of a credit union and what makes it different, it's it's about. Uh, being part of the cooperative system. It's about democracy. It's about being involved in your community. Uh, so, you know, if you, if, you, if you don't belong to a credit union, it's the equivalent of spending a dollar or five dollars for a membership, like joining uh, the federated co-op or mountain equipment co-op. Um, and then you're a member and you get to participate in governance and you get to, uh, you get to uh, be involved and help make decisions on where that money's reinvested in your local community.
0: I love the comparison to things we're we're used to like a co-op or like a Mac. And, but you know, it's easy to think about it as something separate or kind of over, over on an Island. Uh, If if you're, if I'm, again, I feel I'm putting you on the spot here. So if you're talking to somebody like myself, let's, let's, let's not be about, let's not make it hypothetical. So you're talking to me and I'm thinking about going with the traditional banking environment or getting involved with the credit union for my own banking needs. What would be some of the differences? Or I guess, why would I choose one over the other? And obviously in your case, I'm assuming you're going to lean towards the credit union, obviously
1: so uh yeah so i fair point tyler i'm biased <laughs> um but uh full, full, but yeah,
0: disclosure, sure full disclosure
1: full disclosure full disclosure biased work work in the credit union system and, and have a passion for it and for what we do so generally speaking products and services offered by a credit union are, are very similar to a bank so if you think of a product you're looking for you can get access to it uh, through your credit union so whether that's uh, uh, you know, uh, lending advice, uh, commercial loans, student loans, uh, bank accounts, um, moving your money through interactive transfer and these types of things. Uh, we have all those products and services. So I think what's for me and I get, I'm really lucky. My job, I get to travel to different Alberta credit unions and I, and you know, I go into a bank from time to time. And what I got to say is it just feels different. So you go into a credit union and, and, and they are all different, but there is a feeling that you get in every single one of them where, um, you're you're more than just a customer; you're a member. So you go in there. In most cases, they'll know you by name. Uh, they they know about you. the The lending experience, the feedback we get is, is different. And uh, and and there's you know if there's there's value for the for the credit union members that we have. So about six hundred and fifty thousand Albertans are members of uh, those sixteen credit unions. So it's not it's not a small number. No, no. And uh, you know, credit unions started uh, in in rural Alberta, and they started to help Alberta grow and and achieve financial success because the banks weren't there to help. So, so never probably in our existence has that been um, more important than today.
0: Well, as, as big organizations get bigger as an, as an individual, let's be honest, you feel like you're lost in the mix. Like you're not important. You don't matter, but you know, my, Hey, my life is the most is really important to me. And if someone else can share in that, that's a big difference. And as all these businesses out there, I'm just broad statements achieve higher levels of automation and essentially lower levels of personal interaction, it's easy to feel like you, you want that. Cause I think as a, as a recoil, as society, the more we get disconnected, sometimes the more we search it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree completely. So
0: You've been in, and I'm I'm a professional creeper. I've got LinkedIn open in front of me here. <laughs> two, two and a half years at at, uh, at in in this role as as the CEO of Alberta Central. Before I just noticed you were part of the Alberta Real Estate Association. Then before that, VP Financial Services at the at the Brick. So just curious, the difference of even being at like more association and more like what you're involved now versus being in more of a traditional role yourself with something like the Brick, which is a very traditional brick and mortar business. Pardon the pardon the pun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's a good question. There, there's a ton of difference, and there's and but there's also similarities. So if you think of, uh, you know, a big retail brand like the brick, or, or pick any big big retail store brand, um, they're all dealing with with something like branches like credit unions have. So you've got members coming in and out. There's the there's the requirement for real estate. There's that experience that you get. So there's similarities there. But you know, if, if you're going in for a, a high pressure sales uh, um, experience when you go to you know the retailer of your of your choice um you know the credit union system is very different so the uh you know it, i wouldn't say i think we work as hard or harder than anywhere else i've worked in the credit union system but it's uh the pressures are different so it's it's uh you know we're, we're credit unions are for profit we make money um but uh it's it's different than uh you know being a vice president at the brick waiting until 10 o'clock on a on a sunday night uh, to see what happened with the bc stores closing. Uh, to see how your week ended up.
0: Interesting. So yeah, di- different
1: stake will kind of takeover environment
0: because in your role, essentially as Alberta Central, you guys are in literally a service role to the credit unions.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're we're there to make sure we're enabling the credit unions to be successful and uh, that they've got uh, longevity and the ability to grow and the ability to compete in the marketplace. And uh, just try to make sure they've got the best uh, conditions by way of legislation and the best supporting products and services to help them be successful now and moving forward. So, yeah, it's a, it's a different animal. I like this a whole lot better. Uh, you know, learned a ton from every place I've worked and uh, sort of financial services touches a few of my uh, my previous roles. But uh, no, there's something, something about working uh, with people focused on community that, uh, that is certainly closer to where my heart is.
0: Nice. And are, you, and are you are you? an Albertan? Did you grow Did you grow up out here? I just noticed against Saskatchewan, Edmonton has a bit of a Western slant to it on your, on your
1: LinkedIn profile. So I, I grew up in Calgary, moved here in the late 70s, but uh, was an army brat. So even in my youth, we moved around a lot. So I was born in New Brunswick. Uh, I've got an older sister born in Germany. My brother and I born in New Brunswick, younger sister born in Ontario. Uh, my parents are both from Ontario. And uh, yeah, we but uh, grew up, you know, entirely in Alberta, mostly in Calgary. And uh, you know, I always get asked this question about the planes of the Oilers, and I'm conflicted. <laughs> not because I'm not because I'm a politician, but because I moved to Edmonton around you know 1980, in the height of the Oilers dynasty, and uh, was really lucky that my dad had access to season's tickets. Uh, so you know, so so came back, and and so I, I cheer for both teams. So I'm a I'm, I think so of you, myself you, you as like you boy.
0: got indoctrinated at a young age. That's 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 tough. Very impressionable age. <laughs>
1: It's a very impressionable age, especially uh, with the caliber team Edmonton had at that time, for sure.
0: It's uh, yeah, it's interesting where we grew up and how we identify. It's Totally off. Have you had a chance? Or have you watched uh, the recent Michael Jordan special that's been on The Last Dance?
1: Uh, you know on what? Netflix? Just the first episode, and I watched it last week, so I saw just the you know the first one, and uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool show.
0: It is, uh, yeah. I'm, I th- I'm not sure where I'm at, kind of six or seven in, but the roller coaster. And of course, you know, when you live through something and then you watch it again from the outside and more of that biography perspective. But talk about like just the view behind the scenes. It's an interesting complete sidebar. But the the way people like identify and like their personalities and who they are and their happiness gets so wrapped up in the team. And obviously, that team played such a huge roller coaster for people emotionally, how they
1: got invested in it. And then the players, it's almost
0: it's better than a sitcom or a, or a Hollywood movie that's going on with those guys.
1: Yeah, certainly uh, certainly. lots going on with uh, with uh, Chicago back in those days. For yeah, sure. it's, so pretty pretty neat to watch. But yeah, I don't think there was anybody that's sort of in our age group that uh, didn't love the Chicago Bulls and wasn't just infast, uh, infatuated with with Jordan. And yet, that first episode when he's over in Europe and he's in Paris and he's a superstar over there, like it was <laughs> global. It was global.
0: It, it was, it so, was it's quite a phenomenon. I, a couple of buddies are watching it and they're like, oh my God, I remember like waiting in line to get the shoes. And yeah, just from a cultural phenomenon, how interesting I mean, Sorry, complete digression, sidebar. But we're all at home, so I know everyone's caught up on their Netflix at a level we've never been before.
1: So curious. Right. At, uh, go ahead. Tyler, just one thing is a joke, and maybe some some of your viewers have heard it. But it was uh, it was a note I saw it was on uh, I think it was on Twitter or LinkedIn, and somebody said today I finished Netflix. <laughs>
0: I did not see that. That's, you know what? I, I'm going to give you, an, I'm going to give you a nod. Like the back, we're, we're joking off uh, before we got recording. I think we were recording about, you know, what do you have to show for yourself after this, you know, lockdown? Well, Netflix, I got that up on the wall. I got a certificate. <laughs> it is an endless amount of content. And I'm going to say the majority of it is good. Like there's a lot of stuff out there, maybe not, but to each his own, but man, we are definitely in the golden age of content right now. As a, as a, as a consumer, you're getting it for basically pennies, but it's like top notch level all, 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 the time. No, no lack of distractions.
1: So I hear you. So if you compare this to the pandemic back in 1918, uh, you look at the Spanish flu yes. and then you look at how we're living now and we, you know, we complain, but the level of content and technology and ability to communicate and, and uh, stay in touch, I, I can't even imagine what that would have been like a hundred years ago.
0: Oh, as, imagine just like, you know, as an individual, but yet as a, as a business owner, like the tools that we have access to and you and I chatted a little bit about how quickly you guys were able to pivot to, you know, distributed work or work from home. We we were the same. We kind of didn't miss a beat and I'm not, I'm not downplaying at all, but without technology, that would have not even been the case. Like back in 2013, we were knocked out of our office for about five weeks due to the flood. And the reason we were better this time is because we, it wasn't as seamless that time. Like it was like server anyways, it was just, it does cease to amaze me the amount of technology that was able to fill the gap and that it all worked, that it all just didn't come crashing down just here by load or increase
1: in, in, in usage in those first couple of weeks. Uh, look, yeah, so thank thank goodness for that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, looking at your looking at your history and it's always interesting. I always I I find and part of why we even started the show was it's so easy to see someone who's arrived at a certain position and I don't want to say minimize, but it's like, oh well, you know, Ian now Ian's got that senior job over and i you know, he's pretty lucky good for him, you know, which I've learned to believe over the years, there's always an extensive backstory and luck, maybe sometimes right place, right time, but usually a lot of hard work. So when you look back at your career, it seems like you've, you've moved through a lot of senior roles, but in different industries, like talk to us a little bit about the journey and kind of arriving at this role. Was it, was it a natural progression and you had a game plan or did it unfold from an opportunity perspective as, as you went through it, went across the journey?
1: Well, Tyler, you know, you've looked at my LinkedIn profile and you look at the different places I've worked, like you 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 couldn't plan this, I guess is the short <laughs> answer, right? You know, it's uh I you know, it's it's not on my LinkedIn profile, but I started as a young guy working at Costco and I worked there for about 7 years uh sort of through university and then beyond because I finished university at a time when it was really hard to get a job and did sort of every job you can do at Costco and uh yeah, did that, did some uh, work for some political parties after that and then, you know, ended up uh, as a sales guy, as a telemarketer at Telus, you know, selling stuff over the phone, and and yeah. you know, crazy, uh, you know, not embarrassed to say I was good at that, right? So it was uh, it was a neat thing, and it turned into a whole bunch of different uh, jobs for me at Telus, So I was the guy who said, "Why do we do it this way?" And uh, so I think if you if you look at that um, in every job I've done, it's kind of that. It's like, it's why why do we do it this way? It's it's that curiosity is continuing to to ask those questions and. You know, not being afraid to take chances. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, I'm an Albertan and moved to Saskatchewan. You don't often see people go in that direction. Um, <laughs> no, it's usually but, the other way or uh, it has
0: been for years for sure.
1: Mm. But but had a great job opportunity. And, and you know, you talk about is it you know, is it luck and there's elements of both. I think I think you have to you have to take opportunities when you get them and, and I just not be afraid of them. So you know, that, that move when we moved to Regina was one of those where I actually met a guy on a plane. And uh, I had been back, you know, working at TELUS, we'd gone through, you know, like 11 reorganizations in 12 months, and I had to fly to Vancouver for the latest one. And on the way back, I ran into a guy who ended up being my boss uh, for the company I work for in Regina. And it was, it was actually what got me involved in the credit union uh, world, because it was a MasterCard, MasterCard provider owned by the credit unions. And uh, so I moved there and uh, got involved with that, took my MBA, did a bunch of, of uh of good things there, a great place for my kids when they were real young. And uh and then sort of opportunity went from there, but it's it's uh it's just I think a lesson and you know don't be afraid to to make or move and and uh trust your instincts and you know when you you can have powerful conversations with people just about anywhere
0: and you know and I were talking about that before we really got into it about, you know, being working from home, everything is a meeting. Like, how do you, how do you architect the bump ins? How do you know, like you're gonna be able to tell your grandkids, like, I got my, you know, pinnacle job on a plane and they're gonna be like, what are you talking about, grandpa? <laughs> so that's a bit extreme. I don't think it's gonna go that way. But even to say that, like you never know who you're gonna meet. But like I heard what you said loud and clear, being open to opportunities when they show up and going and being willing to put yourself at risk. And that's hard for a lot of people sometimes. We get comfortable and we don't take those risks. So something I want to ask about, because you, you made the comment, the guy who's who's not scared to ask, why do we do it this way? Have you ever run into any, because you can, you can let's be honest, you can overturn some landmines when you start asking questions like that. And as you work through organizations, these are large organizations you've been with. Sometimes there is a lot of, this is the way we've always done it mindset. Is that ever kind of, I don't want to be dramatic, but is that ever kind of blown up on you a little bit?
1: Oh, it's not always comfortable, Tyler. <laughs> There's no question. And you don't you don't always make friends with that approach. There's no question. And I think it's, you know, one of the things for me is it's, I like to try to ask hard questions, but in a nice way. So, you know, it's, it's you try to understand why people, where people are coming from and try to get at the root cause of, uh, of where things are. So I can't tell you that I had a lot of, uh, a, a ton of blowback. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, talked about that job uh, in Regina, and that company got sold um, by the credit union system to the Bank of America while I was there. So, the second largest bank in the world. And this is circa 2007, right before the financial meltdown. Uh, so, you know, huge cultural shift for people sort of moving through that who would only ever work with credit unions. But that's where, you know, I had worked for a bigger organization like TELUS and kind of understood how big companies worked. So, was able to help some people through that transition. And so I think it's it's good. You just gotta be you got to be adaptable. And I think there's just a ton of stuff you can you can learn. And the people you run into along the way, you know, um, I have found people who are in existing organizations and just about everywhere I've worked that haven't really been at the level they should have been at. So really technically confident people who, you know, a diamond in the rough if you will. And and that's some of the 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 most fun of going into a new organization is, is looking for that talent that perhaps has been overlooked
0: it's amazing what a fresh perspective and a fresh set of eyes can do from both sides, like, you know, from the, somebody. So as, as you moved into that, that VP, as you're in that VP partnership management, then it's VP CEO, how was the transition to more of a senior leader from, I would assume more of a manager level doing the work to maybe getting a little bit more into deliberate culture and, and creating vision. How was that growth path? Cause that can, that can be a tough transition sometimes for managers to like quote unquote leaders.
1: Still the hardest thing for me, Tyler, because the inclination is just to do it yourself, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, I can just do it. I can, I, this is, I know how to do this. I've done this before. I know what this marketing campaign should look like. I know what we should be saying. Uh, and you've got to empower your team to go out and do that. So the more senior the roles get, the more of that you have to do. Um, so certainly running different divisions for the brick BRIC would run in, ran into that a lot. But it, it's, I would say, magnified more at the CEO level, regardless of the size of your organization. Because literally the box stops with you. And, you know, you reach a point where it's kind of maybe a silly analogy, but it's, I think of it like an orchestra. So you're just the conductor, right? You don't actually play any instruments. You're just there, you know, helping, hopefully helping the music sound sound good and uh, getting to an end product. But it's, it's about putting together other people's work more than more than doing it yourself.
0: That's a tough lesson, I think, because you know so much in our world. I think, or professionally, we get rewarded for our output, but then all of a sudden it shifts, and now we're being elevated by other people's output. And that's that servant-based leadership where you're not ahead; you're actually behind, lifting everybody up. That's I've, I know it's been a tough transition. I think we've all dealt with it as as grade A doers, you know, who've been rewarded for our for our doing skills. <laughs> to then kind of step back and let that other person go forward, even if they succeed or fail, but being there to support them and have you found that even the last 10 weeks of working from home is from as a leadership, as a leader, has that been tested? Or have you noticed anything like I've had a few guests on talking about leadership and just, you know, everybody's being pushed to levels. They've just never been pushed before.
1: Yeah, I, I would say challenges for me for sure. And uh, I'll even give you a couple of examples. So, so we're in the financial services business and, and so, the you know, uh, Trudeau comes out of his cottage and launches a new program you know, over and over and over again, and then you got to catch these things. You have to figure out how you take those things and actually would launch them within the credit union system. Um, so, you know, signing up for BDC and EDC accounts, letting the credit unions uh, flow uh, loans through us and making sure that uh, Albertans have access to those that uh, that uh, bank with us. Um, so critical to do that. And uh, so I got invited to all those meetings, but I, I I pushed back from most of them and was there as a resource for my team, but put my senior team um, in oh, those discussions with, with the bank of Canada and with the, you know, the federal department of finance and, uh, and they've thrived, they've done a great job. So I think it's, it's, again, it's tough because you, you want to, those are actually, you know, you want to be in the middle and be part of the excitement or at least I do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's also really rewarding to see, to see people, um, perform in this type of environment.
0: You know, the, looking back on this, like such a unique opportunity, like we'll hopefully never see something quite like this again. And I choose to be very bullish and very optimistic on the positives that are coming out of this and the forced change and the forced re- being, having to look at everything differently and no better time to relook at your own leadership style. And I know I've had a few people on around change management, HR, leadership, and that's what they said. Like, you know, sometimes leaders aren't even liking what they're seeing, reflecting back on themselves. Like, wow, I, you know, but being human about that and being transparent with your team can be, can be tough sometimes on, on that journey, but
1: never, never before
0: have we been tested like, like, like we have been.
1: Go ahead, Tyler. I'm just going to say mental health to me is a big issue. Like we, uh, you know, we, we, I've got a really, uh, really tight uh, leadership team and we've sort of grown together through a bunch of business challenges over the last couple of years. Um, and it's nice to be in that kind of safe place. Cause you, you know, you can, you can call somebody and, and you're, you know, you're kind of doing your official mental health check-in, like how you doing? How you holding up for your, you know, your everything in your family doing okay. But, um, but it's more than that. Right. So I think it's, I think that's just another, another element to this. Uh, you know, when you're building teams is yes, these are our work colleagues. And, um, but there's a personal element of where, where, you're sort of building off of mutual respect that uh, I don't even know how to put into words.
0: No, I think you're very right. There's the, Hey, how, you know, you're doing okay. And then there's like, no, seriously, how are you doing? Like what's going on? And when it's your teammates and the people that be honest, you spend the bulk of your day on zoom call on zoom calls with it, it is a very intimate environment. And you know, as far as we're not seeing each other, but there's a lot of intimacy that comes to the screen to screen approach that we've got going on where you're like, yeah, I'm focusing on you. You're focusing on me, I'm not on my phone. I'm not being distracted by everything else. And I've found certainly on our side, our team has has kind of come together in ways you certainly find out, the people that are bought in, man, they, it sh- it shows up really quick. And it makes it makes you proud as a leader to to know that under stress, which is this is, that's when you really find out kind of where the stress fractures are, or, or hopefully are not. You made a comment that I'm curious about with your, with your role and kind of jumping around a little bit, but you're right. The government has been, you know, I, I don't want to say playing fast and loose, but they've been putting a lot of stuff into market, like one after another, after another. How's it been for you guys to support you know, because you guys are the layer behind, but the, the credit unions being able to adapt to all that. And I would assume there's an expectation that you guys already have all the answers, right? When people, <laughs> when these new projects, come, these these new initiatives come out on a Thursday and on Friday, your phone rings off the hook with like, what does this mean
1: for us? How's that, how has that been for you guys over the last ten weeks? Well, uh, it's been, it's been crazy, right? So it, it does become 24 seven. These calls are through the weekend you're on with the federal government trying to, you know, get to a solution, putting in place legal agreements to be able to move money based on our account with the Bank of Canada. Uh, we're really fortunate. Our, our largest credit unions are able to provide some support for these things too. And in some cases, are able to go direct on these programs. But for the, you know, the, the 14 or so of the ones that are smaller, we're, we're, we're having to backstop that activity. But we're seeing great sharing. And the other great thing about okay. the credit union system is we work super closely with other provinces. So I've got you know counterparts uh, in Saskatchewan and in Manitoba that I'm on the phone with literally every day, working through these programs because they have the same questions. They're very close to the same questions. So we share a lot of resources. We can sometimes share legal fees, and it's um, just been a ton of collaboration.
0: So there is more of a coming together. There isn't. It's not. It's it's not competitive in the traditional sense of where I'm going to keep my information in my little bubble. Here, you guys are leaning in and, and learning from each other.
1: Yeah, and I think the credit union mm. system is always more that way than standard business. But this, I would say that's, you know, probably even to an additional level. And when we look at something like, like this pandemic, and just trying to react to this, because you know, like we're all, we're all learning at the same time, there's no training for this. Yes.
0: No, it's hard to, it's hard for plans. What did say? What's the joke? It's hard to plan for a future that no one is even remotely seen, <laughs> you know, arguably. So from a, in a, getting in a little bit on the economy, and I don't want to go too far down this path. I, I have another, I have another podcast called Collisions, where we all we do is talk about the economy. So I can't, I can't not ask the questions. Curious your thoughts or optics. Obviously, being out there dealing with the credit unions, who are dealing directly with the businesses and the families that that are Alberta. Any thoughts or perspectives on kind of the future of Alberta? You know, arguably we've we've got a few left hooks coming at us here, from oil industry to COVID to how do you how do you see it when you look down the road a little bit?
1: Uh, You know, you have to be an optimist, but even if I didn't have to, I I would be, Tyler. I think it's, you know, I saw a national um, poll, I think it was on Friday, that was talking about, um, I think the question was, I think there's an opportunity to make um, money during the pandemic. It was a national survey, and I think the national result was in the mid-30s, and the Alberta result was 46 or 47 percent, so that that um, interesting that okay. entrepreneurial attitude that the, the young workforce that we've got um, the skills that exist in our workplace so i have optimism around that and so so i, I think we're going to find our way through this this is unprecedented it's going to be a real challenge it already hurts it's probably going to hurt more as we move through the next stages of this but uh no i think it's um I think there are opportunities uh, that exist, and and you know we're seeing collaboration uh, through the business council. You and I were talking about that uh, offline, and and, um, and we're we're seeing engagement from uh, from the government. They're asking, and they, they care. They they're listening. They you know they want thoughts from the business community on how they reopen. They're trying to understand what these programs uh, uh, mean to us, and. Uh, so I think it's 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 unprecedented the level of engagement that we're seeing both between government and business as well. But uh, so so that's the future. So optimistic about that. I I think it takes. I think it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a long time to recover uh, from the current situation for sure. And you know what people are hurting out there. And if you look at even these uh, federal programs like the seba program for small businesses, where you can get the forty thousand dollar loan, and if you pay it back in a year, you will have to pay the thirty. So, in the tens of million dollars of loans that we're putting out, we tried to do some work on. Okay, so what sector is this coming from? Like, who's been impacted? And it's literally all over the map, right? So it's 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 the oil and gas company, it's the hair salon, it's the it's the you know, it's the agricultural service provider. So it's really everywhere. So there's no there's no trend that we're seeing out of that. So. I think that's the the sort of challenge as we as we come out. Is all sectors, and some for sure hit harder than others, but all sectors right. are 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 not in good shape, and, and we were having a tough time before this happened.
0: That's interesting to hear that from. Like you said, there's no there's no out, there's no specific pattern. There's no like this industry's hit more. That you know. Uh, I've heard that said. You know, oftentimes in other in other financial challenges, you can you can blame a business for not planning, or you can criticize someone for maybe being greedy, or do, you know, doing something. Where this was literally uh, this black swan, and kind of came from outside. So to hear you say that you're seeing it kind of universally distributed, it's very unfortunate, but that's that's an interesting phenomenon. I think it's very unique to this specific, you know, <laughs> time in our lives that we we're, we're all living through right now.
1: Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's that would be the general comment. I think I think we are seeing some. Some industries that are performing okay through this, but nobody's performing uh, like they expected. Even the businesses that are open are yeah. are are being challenged for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. Take 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 whatever you were before and knock off. You know, unfortunately, that's a varying degree. But you know, you're, knock, you're There's a haircut coming off almost every business now, even if you're quote unquote doing okay through this. So from yourself as a, as a leader and someone who's you know you know responsible for that vision and kind of always working with your team to move things forward and your board I assume where do you look like what where are your sources of inspiration readings podcasts you listen to it's always it's always nice to share like hey okay, well who, who what do the leaders listen to and maybe I should go listen to some of that so where do you find your sources of you know getting outside your own bottle and seeing what else is what, what else is going on out there
1: yeah, so for for me, I, I I do some reading, and and I'm not going to give you I'm going to give you any titles. I, I don't like to do that. I think that um, you enough. should always pick you should always pick up a book. You should uh, should always try to have one that uh, that's on the go, that's on a topic you're interested in, and you know whether it's something related to your business and something that you have personal interest in. I think that's a good that's a good kind of pick. So I think for me, uh, it's. Uh, I you know, Globe and Mail, National Post, Herald Journal on, on a daily basis from uh, from a newsfeed perspective. So so certainly uh, following all of those really closely. And I think it's, um, yeah, I think you know, looking at business trends with, within our sector as well. So, you know, when we're starting to look at some of the macro issues that will be impacted by this, one of the biggest things my team's working on is payments modernization. So if you think of okay. uh, the history of the payment system in Canada, so when money moves from one country to another, um, all of that was designed before the internet. Mm-hmm. So the current infrastructure we've got is older than the internet. So we're we're in the process right now under the direction of the Bank of Canada and the Famous Canada to modernize all that. So, so we're in the middle of doing that for credit unions and trying to, to create a state-of-the-art architecture that's going to allow them to have a better digital experience moving forward. So we knew that was really important. But now that we're all having almost only a digital experience, mm-hmm. um, that's becoming just even more heightened.
0: And uh, so I saw there's a meme floating around. You've probably seen it. You know, who's responsible for digital transformation at your company? The CEO, the CFO, the CTO. COVID-19 is the last one. You know, it's so a multiple choice, which I've had that. I've used that joke way too much. Now I need to, Starting turning into a dad joke here pretty quick. I need to, I need to switch it up. But it's amazing that, you know, I feel that we were all on there was a path towards just digit you know digitizing all of the customer interactions customer experiences this is just accelerated and I'm assuming for the banking sector it's it's probably the, the same thing you guys are being pushed even harder to change as the as we demand it as a as a customer base.
1: Yeah I think it'll be interesting to see what happens you know um I've, my sense right now is that all the credit union branches that have been sort of closed or had reduced hours will open up Mm -hmm. I don't know that we're going to see the same thing from the banks. I think when the analysis comes, comes back on this, that, uh, you know, we could have a far fewer number of points of presence in Alberta to conduct financial transactions. I think that's a, it is a pretty reasonable, um, outcome from, uh, from from the pandemic and and what we're seeing from a from a behavior perspective
0: that's interesting so you see actually a shift in even that model from the more from a traditional there are still brick and mortar locations to moving even more to the digital the digital realm coming out of this Uh, interesting makes sense
1: so i think there's that there's always this question around what should your branch experience where you have one look like and (laughs) i think every financial institution is trying to figure that out like what is it what does that digital experience look like and how is it personalized? And how do you how do you have that interaction where you can? But there's elements of banking where these are really hard things to do. You wanna have a discussion about your finances, some you have a discussion about a mortgage application. These are discussions that Throughout history, you've, you've had looking uh, face-to-face at somebody. So even with the technology there, my, my sense is that it'll never it'll never go completely digital in these spaces. And it's just going to be how we deliver these experiences to to Albertans, Canadians, and to consumers in general.
0: Well, to that argument, you know, the things that we want to be digital and seamless, we 100%, like with, with this almost on un- unyielding un- demand but then the other side of it we want to be able to talk to somebody when we do about those certain things like it's it's interesting how it does get compartmentalized in different industries and when i want to talk to a, a person and i can't there's nothing more frustrated when i'm forced to and i don't want to i'm equally frustrated <laughs> it's, it's a fickle bunch we are out here aren't we
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah as i speak
0: i speak for the universal <laughs> con- consumer as, as i brought, brought That's interesting just to hear about the trend. So if you look at the future from a credit union's perspective, obviously, that's your world and your vision with Alberta Central. What do you guys see? Like, do you have an overarching vision? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm assuming you have an overarching vision. Has that been shifted at all through the pandemic? Or is this just accelerating the direction you see your part of the industry already headed?
1: So for for our vision and for our strategy, I'd say it's just accelerated it. So we already had a 10-year vision to be a marketplace connector for credit unions. And it was really, we want to be less focused on owning things and just making sure that the, the right products and services are available. And you know, pick the ones you want. Kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. And you know, in the most literal of terms, you think of like an Amazon marketplace. If you need financial services, if you need a you know a digital uh, banking platform, you need a core banking platform, you need a uh, you know a check imaging uh, software. You should be able to go to a place and just find those things and, and get them. And um, that would be a significant change from how our business operates today. But we we see that moving potentially more more quickly now uh, well, because the- of because of this inertia.
0: The platform economy, it's an interesting kind of topic unto itself and how things are moving and that, that connector model. So interesting kind of makes sense when you hear you say it that as we're getting used to doing everything else that way from getting a ride to getting a place to stay to finding any almost any service, there's a platform that's and how that'll level out and what, what role that will play. Because it will, like you said, in the financial sector. As as we get as consumers get more used to doing something a certain way in one sector of their life, it the, the demand for it to be the same way everywhere starts to take over for sure.
1: Yeah. And then how do you, can you leapfrog? Can you, can you get there? If you look at the marketplace today and you look at FinTechs coming in and the types of products and services they're trying to offer, can you meld that with a legacy um, more formal banking infrastructure and create the right partners and try to find partners where so you've got a symbiotic relationship where ultimately they're not going to eat your lunch, even though they probably all want to. Yes. Uh, but the, the traditional financial institutions have things these organizations need. They have access to the payment systems. They have access to the core banking systems. They, we've got accounts with the Bank of Canada, so we're able to, to, to transact that way. Um, so so it is, it is interesting that, that you're seeing this blend of the old and the new. And I think uh, the, the group that figures out that recipe the best will probably end up on top.
0: Well, that one group moving extremely rapidly with the just the sheer technology side, but then the other the other group that the security and the depth that you require just to provide a trusted infrastructure that's been there. Those are interesting. And I have a few friends that work in healthcare and they're they're working on the technology side, but how willing that industry is to give up the way it's done, you're even just sure, just talk about privacy of nothing else. How slow and if one a tech industry, a tech player comes in but doesn't necessarily understand that nuance they said they struggle to try to make the change because there's just things that are the way they need to be for now. And I know everything's kind of up for grabs. Do you see that, you know, when you talk about the financial sector, you talk about FinTech, does that all just become, does that all just merge into one lane down the road?
1: I, you know, it's going to merge into lanes. I don't, the question will be how many lanes. So if you mm-hmm. if you okay. take things like the, the payments architecture uh, that's happening and what Payments Canada is doing through modernization and, you know, creating a real time rail, which would be, kind of like e transfer on steroids. And I guess, you know, okay. specifically, it's exactly that. So, you know, I, I, um, I had have, I an have opportunity to sit on a bunch of boards. One of them is for Interact uh, Corporation. The s- credit union system gets to appoint somebody uh, nationally to that board because we own 10% of it uh, with the banks. And uh, it's really interesting. So that, that basically is it. So if you think of all the things you said about FinTech, but think about fraud. Think about you know, uh, next year being able to e-transfer instantly, literally instantly, milliseconds, uh, $10,000. And if you look at the dollar amounts that can, can occur in Europe, that are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, how do you verify that information to ensure that you're able to manage your fraud and also give give that experience of speed and, and, and enhancement around the payments transactions? So it's uh, that's sort of the test as we well go through this.
0: So, so do you yeah? You made the comment about Europe being kind of ahead. Is North America do you do you as an do you guys as a group look to what's happening in the European markets? Are they more advanced in terms of they've just been around for longer? (laughs) They've had more practice at the financial (laughs) at the financials and 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 kind of where they're at or where the trends are headed.
1: Yeah, from what I'm seeing, I actually see the farthest advancements would be in Asia. So, sort of the the quickest Mm -hmm. adoption to some of these digital banking platforms and some of these unique new payments types are are coming at a. Coming out of uh, coming out of India, coming out of uh, China and other and other places, so you're seeing a lot of it there. So I'd say they're even further advanced than the Europeans in some cases, but I would say North America is behind. Um, the good news, if you can call it good news, is we're not as behind as the Americans are. They're sort of the The latest to to get into these things, Uh, you know, if you look historically, whether it's chip and pin on your card or or what we're going through now, there seems to be about a bit of a lag, a lag move from from American uh, uh, banks and financial services providers, but they're coming along too.
0: That's interesting because even as a traveler to all of a sudden be given back my credit card slip and been asked to sign it, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, what's ha-? Like, it's just something we take for granted here in terms of that level of just even the, the fluidity of the transaction to there. Someone brings you the three, three layer steno and you have to sign one and then they give you the, your copy. It feels like I'm like, this seems like we're an- like, it seems outdated <laughs> in like literally two hours across the border.
1: It's yeah, it's wild, you... and then you think nobody wants to. The, nobody wants to give up their credit card, right? You go down to the states anywhere; they take your credit card away. You're at a restaurant. And you're like, yes. oh, wait, I can't see my card, right? It doesn't feel comfortable. So, it that's that's how far we've come, and that's just the beginning. So, if you think of dollars moving faster, you think of the concept of open banking where. All of your information from any financial provider could reside on a platform of your choice. So you could see it on one screen. That'll change the way as well that information is viewed by all consumers. And and I think, you know, what's your point of differentiation when we get to there and we're not far away?
0: That's really interesting, even as, you know, just think a competitive advantage, you know, coming out of this everybody's looking for every angle and you think Alberta, but think Canada to hear that we've got that infrastructure and we're moving faster towards that. To me, that, that gives me hope for, for just another checkbox on the, on our ability to be competitive locally and globally from to, if things are easier, we can move faster. And, you know, this, we live in a world where speed is speed is a commodity. Ian, well, we've covered a lot of topics today (laughs) from, from philosophy to Michael Jordan to, uh, (laughs) to a little bit of your journey and not being scared to, to, to kick over a few stones <laughs> on your evolution on the role. But I appreciate, I appreciate the understanding of the little bit more of the background of the credit union space. And I know it's the area that you that you live in, but as an outsider and you, know, you look at bank, you look at the credit union, you know I don't know. I know personally, like I still have a like, well, oh, what is the difference? And to hear that understanding and that real kind of grassroots approach to certainly the role the credit unions have played in Alberta and how large of a population is, is a supporter of that and the role you guys play in, in evolving that. That's- uh, I'm more educated selfishly coming out of this conversation than I was going in. So thank you, sir. Oh, it's my my pleasure. Uh anything, any any thoughts or any like as we come out of come out of this? So I say that very optimistically out of this pandemic. Any thoughts for leaders out there as they look at their organizations, maybe their business models, how they work? Any any kind of you know I'll put you on the spot. Any words of wisdom you want to share yet on, on on closing in terms of uh, for, for the leaders out there that are listening or managers?
1: Well, I think across industries, the key message would be would be don't give up. Now, how do we create a path through this? Because I think prosperity is at the end of the road. So it's not going to be a straight road. It's going to be bumpy. We're going to have lots of challenges as we go through this. But especially to young entrepreneurs and to business owners and to you know, students and people just looking to enter the workforce, I think just, just don't give up. Be prepared to, to, to go on a journey, take a variety of different turns, just pay attention to what's around you. Uh, look for people uh, who are saying things you want to hear and that and sometimes people who aren't so just you know listen to what's around and there's going to be opportunities they're going to be harder to find and our ability to 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 move as a province through this Um, we're going to need to reinvent ourselves. we're going to need to adjust our economy but with that's going to come opportunity so just uh yeah don't give up
0: that's that's, uh, it's not going to be easy but it's going to be worth it so don't get yeah so don't don't give up i appreciate that what's the uh, any recommend what's the best way to either you know obviously go on linkedin you can you can uh, ch- you can find Ian on on linkedin uh I'll, is it albertacentral.com what's the best place for people that listen listening to this to go you know what i want to learn more i want to you know give credit unions another look
1: yeah so albertacreditunions.com will get you there uh, also um Creditunionsofalberta.com will get you there. Then there's information on our sites about all the different credit unions that exist in the province. And they're not all exactly the same. Some of them have different uh, different focuses or specific uh, communities or organizations that uh, are the, the key focus for their members. So just have a look on there. And uh, if you have questions, ask. But I'd encourage you, you know, if you get the chance, when well, we can go into places again. <laughs> if you pass by a credit union, walk inside, just look around, say hi to somebody, and uh, I think you'll see what I see. It just feels different. Uh,
0: I still appreciate the advice of, you know, don't go in and have the experience because, you know, that's, we, stu- we still are humans and we still thrive in that experiential kind of environment, even though I think we might be all thrive like uh, needing it even more after we're allowed to, after we're allowed to get out and about a little bit. So I think that's good advice. Mm-hmm. Ian, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your candor and the ability to just have a good old, good old fashioned chat. And I wish you all the best through this, uh, through this adventure. And I'll uh, see you on the other side. <laughs>
1: So great Tyler.
0: You too. You. Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I want to let you in on a little secret. I absolutely love doing these podcasts, the learning, the people, the curiosity, the insights, the, the wow factor of meeting people that I thought I knew and learning their deeper stories really proves the value of what happens when you take the time to be curious and actually care enough to ask with that. I'm looking for your feedback. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, where you'd like to see it headed in terms of guests, in terms of questions, a little bit deeper. Please feel free to share. We'd love to get your feedback. Visit us on iTunes, on Spotify. Give us your review. Give us your five stars if you feel so inclined. But more importantly, give us your feedback. Give us your input on what you want to hear on future shows and we will absolutely incorporate it. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome day.